This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Wednesday, November the 16th. And first today, the boss of a hotel in Sandwich has told the Kent Online podcast about his decision to turn down more than a million pounds from the government to house asylum seekers. Richard Martin runs the Blazing Donkey and Ham and was approached by an agency who guaranteed 100% occupancy for a year. But he says it would have meant cancelling weddings and making most of his staff redundant. You know, we have weddings booked all the way through to 2025. We're one of the county's most prolific hosters of weddings, so our first duty is to these couples that have their dream day already booked with us. So the likelihood of me turning around to all those people and saying, sorry, you can't have your wedding anymore because we've got a lot of asylum seekers staying instead, A, it doesn't commercially stack up for us because the numbers just don't are insufficient, but, but B, um, I was more incensed that the, um, I suppose the government through the, this agency were effectively disrupting our normal sort of market and and you know we've we've all seen recently in the news that they've actually been successful in some hotels like um, in the Canterbury and Ashford areas I, I've read um, so the penny dropped pretty instantly that that's what, what the angle was and therefore I was now wasting my time um, so politely sort of ended the conversation thank you very much um, and they haven't bothered you since? Did they leave it there? Um, they obviously have some sort of marketing cycle because they gurgitate the same emails. I think we sent you a copy of it where it was, the headline is 100% occupancy guaranteed. Um, you know, contact us today. So we still get the emails unless you click on the unsubscribe, which I need to do. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, after that, there was no further... Um, follow-up and the, the conversation drew to a conclusion pretty quick. And that money that they offered you, that 1.1 million mm. for the 12 months, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. how would that fare? Would that give you more than yeah. that sort of year would have given you or would you, would normal sort of running of the No, hotel? Our, our sales turnover is much greater than that. However, the costs to service that amount of sales would be much less. So I didn't run the numbers in terms of... Um, uh, you know the, the benefit to us because I'd immediately been switched off to it but um, in hindsight because there was little work involved in servicing that amount of turnover um, the profits would have been much higher. Bigger than that to us though was the um, you know the impact on the 25 or so people that we employ here so many of whom have been here for a number of years um, and our duty isn't just to our customers it's to all of these people too. Well, Christopher Cooper is the hotel's restaurant manager. Hospitality is really tough at the moment in lots of ways, you know, and people are leaving it in droves anyway. So the people that are left are the ones who are committed to it as a job. It's not the most, you know, can be a thankless job occasionally. I'm not going to lie about that. I get huge pleasure from it, as do the staff here. And I think those hotels, yes, there must be hotels that are struggling. There must be, there's always a, a business that's struggling in every field. And to see an offer come like that, it's almost like almost emotional blackmail, you know. There you go, you can't do any better than that. You know, you'd be a fool not to take that. And you can see why, and I can totally understand why people would. I can. 
it's just, but there's some very different hotels out there, let's be honest. I mean, I think sea, kind of seaside town hotels for the last 20 years have been a little bit of a, a dumping ground, not just for immigrants, but for people, homeless people, you know, drug addiction, the old uh, mental health system which is broken and doesn't really exist anymore, those hospitals, they've been just, you know, so I think seaside, especially hotels, have become this kind of dumping ground for really questions and answers the government need to come up with better than just saying, look, if we move them to the seaside, everything's going to be all right. It's not, you know. Meanwhile, we've been asking people in the area what they think. I think it might impact on tourism quite a bit, you know, because obviously if people are going to come here and they can find work, then it would be a good idea. But obviously coming over from a different country, there could be uh, friction between their local population as well as, you know, themselves, the, the migrants themselves. So in which case it could, could create a lot of problems that way. I mean, this, this is a tourist town, you know, it's, it's certainly here, but there aren't that many hotels here, here anyway. It's mostly B&B, there's just one big hotel. But um, we've got to look after the migrants that are really in need, but uh, I hope the, uh, the rest that just see us as a soft touch, I'm not onto at all. I think it will massively impact tourism. There's, you know, affordable hotels are far and few between as it is. So when they've been bought up, there's going to be even less. I don't think it's a very good idea at all. And um, obviously with the, being on a coastal and tourist area, that will um, have an impact on the hotels and local accommodation, I'm sure. More than 40,000 asylum seekers have crossed the channel in small boats so far this year. The Home Office declined to comment on whether or not an offer was made by a third party to house asylum seekers at the Blazing Donkey. Next, it's been revealed Dartford is one of the most popular places in the county to live. The town's population has grown at triple the rate of England, with things like highly rated schools and distance to London among the factors. Sean's been chatting to Dartford estate agent Gary Linton about why the area is so popular. I think Dartford is essential hub. We've got great transport links. The schools are a very high standard. I meet lots of buyers and families come in. Particularly, they might not know Dartford, but they've come because of the schools. We have the fantastic train station which can get you into, say, into, into London uh, on an average at 50 minutes, even quicker on a fast train the opposite way you can go down to Ebsfleet you then got access across to Europe um, and it's a lot greener and leafier than uh, certain places in the area but just as an example the average sales price for a property in Dartford at the moment is approximately £370,000 if you go 30 minutes up the train into say Lewisham the average sales price there is £558,000. So for a smaller commute, perhaps less congested area, you can come to Dartford for the same property uh, and it will cost you £180,000 less than the Lewisham borough. So why wouldn't you come out for cleaner air, great schools, great transport links uh, and save money on buying a house? And um, in terms of uh, the sort of the, the market we're in place of in the moment, we anticipate to see a bit of a slowdown given the sort of certain economic factors. Uh, is that something that you think will eat into that in, into that sort of population increase we've seen into Dartford or, or, or why further afield? Is that something that you're preparing for or you're seeing? 
I, th I think most estate agents in uh, under England and Wales are preparing. Um, obviously, we had COVID. Um, we had the government giving the free stamp duty. It made a lot of people buy and sell that maybe necessarily didn't have to at that time. Mm. Um, but they did. They took advantage of the government's free stamp duty. But again, it still makes that now a lot of people have bought and sold in the last 12 to 18 months. And perhaps we've run out of buyers and sellers now. Um, and it is making the market a lot tougher with fewer properties and with the prices uh, going through the roof, buyers cannot afford to get on the property ladder. So there is going to be, I think, a natural slowdown um, in the future, in the next six to 12 months. We knew this was coming. The prices could not continue. Uh, and then over the last four weeks, we also have the Bank of England that have increased the base rate by 0.75. Money is no longer cheap to borrow it's not obviously going into the figures it was um many many years ago at 15 percent, but we're now up to six percent a double um in the last four weeks and that has put a lot of buyers and sellers off a lot of the buyers uh, especially first-time buyers have been pushed out the market a lot of people have uh, not been able to get the mortgage that they wanted to buy um, their salary with the multiples that the banks and building societies are offering. Um, it just doesn't work. So they have got into rented or continue to go into rented, which has made the rental market prices increase. Um, and I think a lot of people sat waiting and now they they, they can't afford to move. So I think we're going to see uh, a, a much, much slower market in the future. I hope not. But people always need to sell and people always need to buy. So there'll always be buyers and sellers around. I just think there's going to be less and less for uh, us as estate agents uh, and sellers and buyers to choose from. All I would say is if you're looking to buy and sell, make sure you get your financial advice from your broker or your bank first. Um, make sure everything is all tickety-boo, everything's checked, you've got your mortgage, then go out looking for a property. Um, don't be disheartened by finding something and then find that you can't afford it uh, or you haven't got been approved. So do your groundwork, your financial work firstly before into the, entering the market with buying or selling. New research suggests 3,700 young people here in the southeast will face homelessness this Christmas. According to charity Centrepoint, two in five adults aged between 18 and 34 have worried about being able to keep a roof over their heads in the last 12 months. More than 20% have skipped meals, gone into their overdraft or taken on debt as the cost of living pushes them to breaking point. The charity is calling for more support from the government. Several people have been arrested in Maidstone as part of a crackdown on crime in the town centre. Police were out over the weekend to respond to concerns about antisocial and disorderly behaviour. Two men were detained after officers seized a knife, while other suspects were questioned on suspicion of a fray. Fake Apple Watches, AirPods and iPhones have been found in Dartford. Officers were patrolling the town centre when they came across people trying to sell the counterfeit goods. They were seized and sent to be destroyed. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, is announcing details of his autumn budget tomorrow. He's already warned of tough times ahead and says everyone may have to pay a bit more tax. Tudor Price is from the Kent Invicta Chamber of Commerce and explains what we might see. I think we've, we've probably already been sort of uh, let in on some of the things early and, and you can tell that they've been 
intentionally leaking information ahead of time here to really test the markets to see whether or not they're going to sort of get spooked. And I think uh, the, the the chance has obviously been reassured by the reaction of the markets to some of this sort of leaked information. So um, I think we will probably see a fairly tough uh, budget. Uh, we're going to see some, some obviously some spending cuts. The key for us really in, in business is going to be around infrastructure investment. Um, the economic benefits of that are significant. And of course, the sort of wider uh, multiplier effect that that has is is really quite important. And we would hope that they don't feel that they're going to need to cut back on infrastructure because actually that is a real sort of negative uh, growth activity. Um, we anticipate that there's going to be some uh, some sort of removal of some of the tax benefits that perhaps were promised originally. And again, I think anybody that's in business will fully understand the sort of profit and loss accountability. Uh, we understand the sort of the black hole that the chancellor is facing there and what they've got to do to fill that. But it's about being very sensible and it, the growth of business uh, will be the driver for this economy. So it's really important that they make sure that they, they cut where they need to, but at the same time, they invest where they need to. Obviously, we know that energy prices at the moment are having a huge mm. impact on everyone. I'm not sure how much more the government could do as far as that's concerned. But would you like to see more support for businesses, perhaps going a little bit longer than it was promised previously? Um, I think it's, it's a difficult position to, to sort of try and sustain. I, I, we all understand that you can't keep spending money uh, and certainly trying to sort of plug the gap. The market is adjusting. We've seen gas prices start to fall. So clearly... Policy and strategy play a big part in steadying the ship as far as a sort of future growth, uh, future energy prices is concerned. Okay. So if they decide not to extend the support beyond April, which is the current position, then we would expect to see some other clear plan or strategy that, that that's going to do something to try and sort of level off this uh, energy price uh, increase. If we could just talk about a couple of sectors in particular, firstly, on the high streets, because we're all feeling the pinch a little bit leading up to Christmas. What what's your outlook as far as the high streets are concerned? And can the Chancellor say anything that might boost the high streets in the run up to Christmas? I think consumer spend is going to be where we're, we're going to see the biggest impact um, because of the energy prices on the domestic market, because of the uncertainty, because of uh, challenges to sort of the previous uh, retail um, sort of industry um, and hospitality, of course, still struggling a bit. Consumer spending is going to have to be the most significant um, indicator of, of sort of where we are at the moment econ economically. High streets have struggled. Um, they are adapting. I mean, we are involved in several programs and we've seen a lot of initiatives at a local authority level where high streets are starting to sort of adapt to more digital online tools, reach out in terms of marketing and sell online. Um, I think that's been the the direction of travel for several years. And I think rather like the pandemic, this will just see accelerated evolution where we'll see businesses move towards a new way of trading um, and obviously the high street becoming more of a leisure and hospitality centre. It does feel that things have settled down a little bit. You mentioned earlier mm. stability. How are you feeling going into this budget and then moving forward? Do you think things have calmed slightly? Yeah, very much so. I think political stability is is absolutely key. I think if if you're involved in international trade in any any shape or form, one of the sort of key factors you look at when you sort of start to you know assess which countries to move into, which markets to move into, you look at the political situation. How stable is it? How reliable is it? You know, what sort of policies do they have? You know, can things change overnight? Because all of that's going to affect your long-term investment plans. Um, and so it can't be underestimated that, okay, we are the United Kingdom. We've been around for a long time. We are 
mother of parliament but we do seem to be spectacularly good at shooting ourselves in the foot recently and so um yeah it's really important that that, that stability is there and we're starting to see that and we're starting to see business confidence um not grow or return but it's certainly leveled off uh, and i think people are sort of waiting to see what this uh, financial statement produces uh, it has to be a grown-up sensible long-term budget with some clear plans and strategy and i think that will do a huge amount to inspire confidence in not just global investors, but in domestic investment as well. There's a warning to be extra vigilant if you live in Seven Oaks and Swanley following a spate of burglaries. Please say the break-ins over the past six months are all similar and some could be linked. Most have taken place in urban locations when properties have been empty. Now, some residents in Faversham are angry over plans to cut down a 156-year-old tree. Faversham Tennis Club wants to make way for a new tennis court, which would mean getting rid of the 50-foot horse chestnut tree. Max has been speaking to Amanda Treisker from Swell Friends of the Earth. We believe that any planning should take trees, mature trees particularly, into consideration. Yeah. They've taken years to get to this point of maturity and the number of species. I'm not sure how many hundreds of insects and birds a chestnut tree would support, hmm. but in every stage of its life and every season of the year, it will be important to biodiversity. Yeah. Um, what about the disease of the tree? How, what effect could that have on keeping the tree around? Trees, trees often have at this age. They often have some disease. It, it can be managed. It's not a black and white situation. Mm. And we would urge there to be maybe more uh, investigation of a boriculturalist. Um, you know, maybe two or three different opinions on that. But they certainly can be mm. managed. It's really um, sometimes it gives a carte blanche to cut a tree down, but that's very often not fully needed. Ronnie Comforts lives nearby and has a particular connection to the area. My childhood was spent in this park. We used to come out here as children and throw sticks up into the trees to get the conkers down, to play conkers with. And I think it was about eight-year-old. I stole my first kiss under that tree. So it fetches back a lot of memories for me. And I'm totally opposed for it being chopped down. It's a living thing. Some people say it's got slight disease. I think a majority of people have got disease. But you don't go and chop them down and kill their life, sure. Let it live. Let it live his life out. That's what I feel. Meanwhile, Sarah Deeson and Francis Beaumont are volunteer tree wardens and have been giving us their thoughts. There's too much tarmac already in Faction. Yes. New housing, farmland's been covered over. You know, really we've got to stop that and just have the wreck as wild as possible. And this is just one another step towards tarmacking over Faversham. Mm. We don't want you know, we're increasing the built community around Faversham all the time. Mm. So our central green areas are very, very important yeah. to preserve them. Mm. The belt of housing is, is all around Faversham. There's very few green spaces and this is a very valuable, wilder green space. A final decision will be made by the council. There have been a number of crashes on Kent's roads this morning after heavy rain caused flooding. Parts of the A21 was closed near Pembury earlier. There have also been delays on the A2, M25 and in Chatham. Another weather warning for heavy downpours will be enforced this evening and overnight. Staff at the Environment Agency have voted to go on strike for the first time in history. The work includes inspecting rivers, dealing with flooding and managing coastal defences. The Unison Union says persistent government cuts and low wages has put them under intolerable pressure. Kent Online News. 
Now, a school in Medway is celebrating after being rated good by inspectors for the first time in more than 15 years. Elaine Primary was taken over by the Inspire Partnership in 2018 and just two years later went from being one of the worst performing in the country to the most improved in Medway. Headteacher Sarah Martin and Deputy Headteacher Ayman Atwal have been speaking to our reporter Alex. Well, we're absolutely delighted to get the Good Ofsted rating. Mm. Um, the school's been on a journey on a number of years of being requires improvement and it's just a real testament to the hard work of the staff, um, our children and our community and to get the recognition of finally being a good school. And I think the report itself highlights a lot of the strengths of the school in our community where it really talks about the ambition we have for our children, the challenge we provide and providing those opportunities. And I think that has been a real strength and offset point is something we've worked a lot on. So having that good offset is kind of that, that stamp of approval of what we've been doing. And as you say, sort of that stamp of approval, what does that mean to sort of parents that live in the area? It means that the parents finally feel confident that they have a local school uh, which is providing their children with a good mm. education mm. and has a real ambition for their children to achieve the best and have the best life chances when leaving our school and moving on to their next stage of their educational journey. And I think we, Elaine, historically due to being our wife, recurring for so many years and receiving a bit of a reputation in the community, I think this Ofsted report just highlights that actually we can be the school of choice and we do have a lot that we can offer and we can provide to our parents, to our children. And I think this is that stamp of approval just allows parents that security and that comfort to know that actually they're sending their children to a place where they will receive a good and ambitious curriculum and a good education. And obviously you've mentioned there kind of, you've always historically been a require improvement school and this is the first good sort of rating in the last maybe 15 or so years. So kind of how's that journey been over the last sort of four years since the Trust took over? Since these bar partnership took over about five, six years ago, um, it, it's been a long journey. There's, we've made lots of changes um, where we put the children at the heart of all of our decision making. Um, and but in order to do that, we had to build links with the community. We had to work with our parents, the carers, work with the agencies in Medway to ensure that we provide what we need to for our children. So for us, the journey began with our community and our children and actually finding out what they want from us at Elaine and working with them. And then through the support of the trust, they they worked a lot with us over the past five, six years and continue to do so and will do, where they provided support, expertise, challenge and right challenge in order for us to make progress. Um, and so it's been a hard and a long journey, but it's one that we're extremely proud of and one I wouldn't take for granted. It's claimed plans to transform an old nightclub near Margate will be a catalyst for further investment in the area. The new owner of Club Caprice in Cliftonville has been given permission to turn it into an art gallery, wedding venue and community centre. You can see a video tour of the site at Kent Online. N-Dubs are going to be playing in Kent next summer. Dappy, Fazer and Talisa make their comeback earlier this year and most arena tour dates have already sold out. They'll be performing at Dreamland in Margate on the 8th of July. Tickets go on sale next Friday. Kent Online Sports. In football, Kent's Alessia Rosso came on for England's women last night as they drew one all with Norway. The 23-year-old from Maidstone had some good touches but failed to score in the friendly. 
Tens, a memorable season for the Lionesses, who won the Euros in the summer. And Gillingham are through to the second round of the FA Cup after beating AFC Fylde in a replay at Priestfield. Scott Cashkit missed an early penalty for the Jills, but Lewis Walker scored just before half-time and the game ended 1-0. Gillingham went into the game as favourites, but boss Neil Harris says they didn't make it easy for themselves. Well, we certainly made it tough for ourselves, didn't we? Um, not being out of sight in the first half. Um, the perspective on the game, first and foremost, I just said the players, first and foremost, is always relevant in cup football is getting through to the next round. So we went to Brentford last week, had one shot, had 19% possession and got through. Amazing. Tonight was slightly different. We've become the favourite. We're playing the underdog. Um, first half, we were miles better than them. Should have been, I said outside, three, four up at half time in my opinion. Um, wasn't, and then what you get with the underdog is a freedom to go and express yourself. In the second half, we see a team play with real confidence um, and make the pitch as big as they could. So, throw caution to the wind um, and we, we had to we had to be disciplined and um, we didn't give chances away but they dominated possession and, and got shots from the edge of the box but really really pleased I think we saw last half half all the ground you know, the fans that were here um, appreciate them coming but they got some of them got a little bit edgy um, to, the, to the boys and, and we didn't play with quite that composure and that's a learning curve from a, from a dressing room um, that I we need to win more games of football to steady that that, that uh, negativity. Um, but also for the football ground to realise they need to get behind the players. Um, so, um, look, re, re, overriding, really pleased. Delighted to be going to Dagenham Saturday week. Um, another tough game in the competition. But tonight, clean sheet, scored the first goals, we won the game. And that, that's, that's huge for us. Lou's done great in the cup. He needs to take that form into the league, um, and that's that's his next challenge um, for for a player that's, that's developing. Um, and that I thought both centre forwards did well tonight. Cash have been majorly disappointed. He's not scored a penalty. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Cash miss a penalty. I've got burnished over the years, so you know it was a major surprise. Um, and he, he could have done with that confidence, couldn't he? And I think if he puts that in the back of the net, and I think it's a completely different game. Um, but no, look, look, really pleased for Lou, and there was some strong performances tonight. When we missed that penalty in the first ten minutes, thinking right, we'll get in front, we can really step on the gas, and have picked a really strong side. And I thought we picked a team to really go hard at the game. Um, and being one new up so early would have been a big massive help to us. Um, so that sort of sums us up, really, getting a free shot at goal when you miss. But look, credit to the lads. You know, we went chance after chance after chance after that, and, and um, we, we, should, we should have been outside at half-time. That, that was clear for everyone to see. Um, over the two games, we deserved to win. We deserved to win the tie. We should have won the first tie. Um, so the best team won the tie. Um, full credit to Fylde. They'll the win the Conference North this year and get promoted. For us, delighted to get through another cup competition and delighted for the boys to have a clean sheet and a win. Well, that's all for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all of the latest news from across Kent. Plus, you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.